0: Please remain standing for the reading of Scripture, which is found in 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6. This is the final part in the series, the first letter to Timothy, part 15. Today's message is entitled, The Power of a Good Confession, as I'll read from 1 Timothy 6, starting at verse 12. And uh, my sources include Philip Graham Rikens' expository commentary on 1 Timothy, Michael Bentley, Passing on the Truth, uh, from the Wellwind Commentary series, William Hendrickson, his commentary on Timothy, and Stephen J. Cole's studies in First Timothy. This is the word of God, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Fight, the Bible says, fight the good fight of the faith. You know, we sang, A mighty fortress is our God. It's a real battle type song And this is why Timothy is being told by Paul, under the inspiration of God, "...fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses, in the sight of God, who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession. I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame." Until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To him be honor and might forever. Amen. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you for this word today for our students and for all of us. That we might continue in the faith and fight the good fight of the faith. And I pray that you would give us inspiration and understanding. Speak to us, Lord, through your word. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Hope you'll take your outlines as we look at uh, this this study today. Very much importance in the outlines, guys. So if you'll pull out your bulletins, those of you on the front row especially. Pull out your bulletins. Pull out your outlines. I got you one day right here on the front row, so I'm going to take advantage of it. There was once a Muslim college student who came to believe that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. One of his friends was shocked and asked him this question. Why in the world would you become a follower of Jesus Christ? And here was his response. He said, well, it's really pretty simple. Imagine you're walking down a road and you come to a fork in the road and there are two people to follow as your guides. One of them is dead and one of them is alive. Which one would you follow? I say to you today that we serve a risen Savior. We serve a God who is alive. And that's one of the great appeals of Christianity is that its founder is not dead. He is alive. And so even after the hype of Easter Sunday has faded away to the grinds of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and on, Jesus is still alive. And because he lives, people should worship him. They should serve him all of their days. Now, twice in our text, you might have heard this, we hear the phrase, a Good confession. A good confession. If you're a Roman Catholic, you might think of confessing your sins before a priest. So as we begin, I want to make sure that you understand, Paul is not talking about confessing sins in our text. When you confess your sins, and this is in the outline, you are confessing to God something that you have done wrong. On the other hand, when you confess Christ as your Savior and Lord, you are confessing before God And all mankind, specifically certain human witnesses, something that you have done right. That you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So let's look at three lessons this morning in our sermon. The first is this. Confessing Christ in front of witnesses is essential for salvation. Essential for salvation. There's no such thing as a silent saint. You are to confess your faith... Publicly, If you look at our text at verse 12, Paul says, Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you, Timothy, made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And he continues in verse 13, he says, In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession. There it is again. So with Timothy, we're really not certain what this good confession was Was it made at his baptism or at his ordination? Uh, Personally, I think that Paul is talking in verse 12 about eternal life. And so I would think this confession was something that was made at his baptism. Regardless, it was an important day. But the important thing is, just as Timothy made his good confession, just as Jesus spoke his good confession before Pilate, in the same way we are to speak our confession before other people. It's one of the greatest things that the person that led me to faith in Christ told me. When he took me back to his office. After I had put my trust in Jesus Christ. He said, now you got to tell somebody. Now you need to go home and tell somebody. You need to announce this. So I, I went home and told my parents. I went home and told my brother. I told my friends. It caused some problems for my senior year in high school. But it was a great thing that God did in me. And he enabled me, by his grace, to confess publicly to other people that I was a Christian. Matthew chapter 10. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33. And I know this service is going a little long. So please don't look at your watch because you're going to be here a while. It is an unusual day that we go along like this. But it's a special day. And I hope you'll treasure it. Matthew 10 verses 32 and 33. Jesus says, Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Today is such an important day for our students, those who have gone through confirmation studies for the past four months. One of the steps to joining our church is to make a good confession before the elders which they did this morning. They were, they were so on, on point and did such a fantastic job. But we as elders got to witness their good confession. And then now they've come in front of all of you and made another good confession before all of you to profess Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. Why is that important? What do you think? Scripture basically says point blank that making that kind of confession is essential to our salvation. You just can't sit on the fact that you've been saved. And so turn with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. And this is a passage that I read with each of the students that came in to see me to talk about their faith, talk about their salvation. So listen to Romans 10, verse 9, where Paul says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. There's two things there. Believing in your heart. Confessing with your mouth. It's not just something that goes on inside of you. You know, my parents grew up in a generation that used to say, uh, you know, spiritual things, faith, religion, those are private things. No, they're not. No, they're not. And so my parents and I had a good argument about that one time. You know, it's not a private thing. And then in verse 10 it says, For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, declared innocent before God of your sins. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So today, this may not seem like such a big deal, but it's a very big deal to profess your faith in front of all these people today. It's a very big deal. You may not consider it to be threatening to declare Jesus as Lord. But in the early days of Christianity in quite a few places around the world today, I mean, you think about the devastating attacks on Easter Sunday in Sri Lanka where 300 and something people were murdered because they were worshipping Jesus as Lord on Easter Sunday. They met, simply like we are meeting, to declare Jesus Christ as the Son of God. They knew that it could lead to their arrest or even possibly torture and death. They didn't know it was going to happen that day. And so we have a lot of comforts, don't we, in this country? We don't tend to worry about that kind of thing. But they did. And look what happened to them. And for literally thousands of years, Christians have boldly declared Jesus' lordship over their lives in the face of great opposition to the point of death. Which is why Jesus said what he did in Mark 8, verse 38, where he said, If anyone is ashamed of me, if anyone is ashamed of me in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him, the Son of Man, will be ashamed when he comes with the clouds, with the holy angels on the clouds. So confessing Christ in front of witnesses is essential for your salvation. Number two, confessing Christ means acknowledging the truth about Jesus. Paul mentions Jesus' good confession before Pontius Pilate when he was on trial for his life. And at that time, the Lord Jesus stood firm and bore witness that he was the Christ, the Savior, the King of the Jews. And to any observant Jew, this statement, the king of the Jews, meant that before the Roman authorities, Jesus claimed to be the descendant of David, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ. So that declaring Jesus as the Messiah is the good confession that Jesus made before Pilate. The early Christians actually insisted that every believer was to make a similar profession or confession before others. And if you were a believer, your greeting to one another was not, hey, how's it going? <laughs> your greeting was not, how you doing today? Your greeting was, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Now why in the world would they say something like that? That was the, that was the way Christians greeted one another, to let them know, I, I'm a Christian. I'm following Christ. Jesus is Lord. And if you use that greeting... You were drawing a line in the sand. You were drawing a line in the sand. That's why Paul said to Timothy in verse 12, Fight the good fight of the faith. Now most people don't like to fight. There are some things worth fighting for though. And that's what I want us to point out today. As we talk about truth. What are we fighting for? The honor and the glory of God displayed in the truth of Jesus Christ. That's what we're fighting for. Some people say, well choose your battles. And I get it. Sometimes you need to. But... That is not the counsel that Paul gives to Timothy. For a believer, especially a young pastor like Timothy, the battle lines had already been drawn. And in the day in which we are living, you really have to take your stand for the truth. So look with me again in 1 Timothy 6, verse 14. Keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. In his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, who no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. So, I want to challenge our young members today to stand for Jesus Christ and to fight for the following things. Number one, the Bible. These are the blanks in your outline. The Bible, which is the Word of God. It's not the Word of man. This is the Word of God fight for the bible secondly the infallibility the inerrancy and the sufficiency of scripture we don't need any more scripture we have all we need in this book called the bible it's infallible it's inerrant in the original autographs and it's totally sufficient sufficient for us to know how to follow jesus then next the de- the deity of jesus christ jesus is not just a man jesus is god He is the God-man. Fully God as well as fully human. Next, the depravity of all mankind. These young people knew that this morning when asked. That all mankind are born in sin and misery and need a Savior. Next, the holiness of God. That God is holy and set apart from us. And because we are sinful, we cannot approach a holy God. That's why we need a Savior. That's why we need Jesus Christ. And then the the substitutionary atonement of Christ. That Christ, when He died on that cross, died in our place. He took my place on that cross. He took your place on that cross. Then the bodily resurrection of Christ from the dead. That Christ Jesus rose on the third day. And why do I have you put bodily there? Because there are many Christians, quote-unquote Christians, who believe in a spiritual resurrection of Christ. Not a bodily resurrection. But He rose bodily from the dead. And then the sovereignty of God's grace. That God is a God who, in his kindness, condescends to us. And salvation is the choice and the gift of God to the praise of his glory. These are the things that we need to stand for, that a lot of times Christians are backing off from. Confessing Christ means acknowledging the truth about Jesus. And then the third and final lesson is confessing Christ is about the rest of your life. What a special day this is. I'm so proud of you. Guys, uh, gals, I'm just so proud that you have joined our church today on Confirmation Sunday. But it's not just about today. It's about the rest of your life. It's about following Jesus next year and the next year and the next year. And not walking away from Him. Verse 12, he says, Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And that's a charge to you this morning. Take hold of this eternal life that God has given you. Embrace it to the point you want to live for Christ the rest of your days. Timothy had already possessed eternal life. He was given that when he placed his trust in Jesus Christ as his Savior and Lord. And another verse that we read when we were sitting down together was 1 John five twelve. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. That's pretty clear, isn't it? If you have Jesus Christ, you have eternal life. If you don't have Jesus Christ, you do not have eternal life. And so, even so, to publicly confess that Christ is your Savior is also to publicly confess that Christ is your Lord. That He is the Master of your life. Which means there is an expectation, if not a demand, that you live according to the teachings of God's Word. And that's why Paul tells Timothy in verse 14, keep this command. What command is he referring to? Most likely what Paul said in verse 11. If you look at the text, back up to verse 11 where it says, Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. So just as Paul is telling Timothy not to forget the day that he made his good confession, students, God is reminding you of the same thing. God wants you to remember this day. You all have family and friends who are here to encourage you in your declaration of Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. But here's my point. There's more to following Christ than simply confessing, or declaring publicly before other Christians that Jesus Christ is Lord. What you've done today is a comparatively easy thing to do in these days. But just imagine what it costs those believers in the days in which they lived. When to name Jesus as Lord was basically to put a death sentence on your head. You must make the good confession of Jesus Christ a statement of your faith that you live and work out the rest of your life. By confessing Jesus as Savior and Lord, you are confessing your allegiance to him. So it is a call to action as much as anything else. i close with this. Forty years ago, a Philadelphia congregation watched as three nine-year-old boys were baptized and joined the church. Not long after that, unable to continue its dwindling membership, the church sold the building and the church disbanded. One of those boys, one of those three boys, was Dr. Tony Campolo, author and former Christian sociologist at Eastern College in Pennsylvania. Dr. Campolo remembers it this way. Years later, he says, when I was doing research in the archives of our denomination, I decided to look up the church report for the year of my baptism. There was my name, and there was another name, Dick White. Dick Served as a missionary for years. And then there was another name, Bert Newman. Bert, a professor of theology at an African seminary for years. Those three boys did so many great things for the kingdom of God. And then he said, I read the church report for my year. Here's what it said. It has not been a good year for our church. It has not been a good year for our church. We have lost 27 members. Three joined, but they were only children. And that brings us to our verse of the week, which is 1 Timothy 4.12. Let's read it out loud together. And let's never lose sight of the fact that these are not just children. These are believers in Jesus Christ who can change the world. And that's what I pray you will do. 1 Timothy 4.12. Let's read it out loud. Don't let anyone look down on you. Because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for being with us today. You are the head of the church. This is your church. And we thank you for calling these young people to yourself. And Lord, I pray that you would keep your hand upon them. As they, as they worship you today, Lord, I thank you for their salvation, for their confession of faith, their good confession. And Lord, make that good confession something that lasts their entire life. That they might persevere in the faith, just as they learned about. Help them persevere, Lord. It's all up to you, not up to them. Keep them in the faith. Keep them serving you and loving you all their days. And I pray for anyone in this place that does not know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your offer of salvation to us today. May you touch our hearts and draw those who are lost, who are apart from Christ, into the full fellowship of the faith. Put your hand upon them, Lord, whoever they are, especially as we prepare to go to the table. And prepare all of us, Lord, that we might be ready to come to your table to celebrate all that you've done in your death and resurrection. We praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. In your name I pray. Amen.